Heavenly Father, we uh, just thank you that we can come before you and worship you. and God, just to look into your word and see how you teach us, and we thank you for that. And God, I pray that uh, through your Holy Spirit, we just touch each one of us to give us understanding of your heart. And I pray you anoint me that I just speak words of the Spirit. And God, I just pray that you move in a powerful way. So just come, Lord Jesus, come and speak to us. And so we thank you for this time. Dear God, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen, amen. Good morning. Uh, we're going to start off this morning in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Have overhead, but if you want to turn in your Bibles or device, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. It says this, <clears throat> Finally then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus Christ that as you received from us, how you ought to walk and to please God just as you are doing that you do so more and more and now I just I'm going to mention the context again a little bit because it really helps set off what's being said here Thessalon the book of Thessalonians is probably one of the earliest books Apostle Paul wrote and it's in the backdrop there he goes and preaches the gospel to Thessalonica which is a really a significance place at at the time and he didn't have much fruit there because the Jews that were there ran him off you know so he couldn't have much of a ministry there because the Jews would not accept it and and they ran him off and now uh, the reason I bring that up is because when he writes this letter back he's talking to basically the Gentiles he's basically talking to the non-Jewish people certainly and and so um, that means that he's speaking to a, you know, a, a group of people that don't have any you know, religious background. They don't have an Old Testament background or anything. So these Gentiles, these non-Jewish people, um, came to know the Lord. And now he's, and they, he led them to the Lord. Now he's writing back to them. And we need to remember that the Thessalonians, all right, and this is provable, you know, history. They were Gentiles. They were grossly immoral. Immoral. Uh, they were bound in oppressive pagan religion and knew nothing of the Christian life. Nothing. They were blank sight. They are nothing. Their whole background was just pagan. And what happened is they turned to Christ and all that changed. Everything changed when they turned to Christ. And so they're... Turned around, and they're their isolated pocket here without any background, and they've turned to Christ, and their lives changed. Now, after accepting the love of God through Jesus Christ, the Thessalonians have a desire to please God. I mean, they don't need, you know, their background is not helping them. How do you please God? And even every pagan religion has something. How you please God or you please the idols or you, you know, they have a works thing going on. So, well, how do you please God? They've received Christ, but how do you please him? Now, so what Paul does in writing back this letter, he gave them some instruction, and then he leaves, and then he writes back this, <laughs> this letter and gives them some more instructions. Okay, here's how you can please God. And, and it's interesting, the terminology Paul uses. He says, this is how you please God. Okay, and and so that's the mindset, and and that's their, and that's their, their their desire. Now, and and it's interesting, uh, the way Paul 
presents the message to them is that um, it's very close to our teaching on freedom. Okay, you can go back to our teaching we did a few weeks ago on, on freedom and the little red wagon. You went through that. Well, how he presents this instruction is very similar, very similar to that. Now, Paul instructs, very important for us to know that Paul instructs, but he does, he does not point the finger. You know, he does not condemn, and he does not put these people under the law. But he instructs them on how to please God, because that's their question, and that's how he's presenting it to them. Now, and what Paul does, and we went over this last week, he reinforces something he already said. And he says, you know, their behavior is not about turning from sin, their behavior is about turning to God. Amen? So he repent. You know, it's like, ah, you know, he's like, no. Turn from sin. No, it's repent. It's turn to God. And what happens when you turn to God? Where is your back? Sin. See, so that, you know, a little nuance there, but that's really important. You turn to God. You, you, and that pleases God. You turn to him. And that as God's people, now as God's people, God desires us to behave like the chosen of God we truly are. Okay? So we got that. He chose us. We turn to God, and we want to please him. He says, okay, let me tell you, and says, I want you to behave like who you are. You're my children. You're my chosen people. Then this comes this verse. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3. Look at this. Take a little explanation in context, okay? And Paul says this. For this, he's talking to these people. He says, for this is the will of God, your sanctification. Your sanctification. Now, we've visited this word before. Now, sanctification, sanctification means to be holy are set apart. Now, kind of let set apart stick in your mind because sometimes it's be holy, you know. I mean, you say, well, let's be holy. I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do, but, you know, how I'm supposed to act holy, you know. It's what, but, but yes, be holy. Bible says, Jesus says, be holy because I'm holy. God says, be holy because of, be set apart because I'm set apart. You get, okay, wait a minute. He's drawing a line here in the sand and say you're different than everybody else and now so sanctification means to be holy or set apart now the greek word sanctification is translated be holy multitude of times through the new testament in fact every time you see it says be holy the original word is sanctification and sometimes they translate it sanctification like here it's in some places you know this is the will of god that you be holy so it's sanctification. Now, so he has these people's attention that he's brought out of this pagan r religion. They were forgiven. They love the Lord. Say, how, we, how are we to behave? How are we to behave? And he says, my God's, God's will is you be sanctified. You be holy. You be set apart. Set apart from what? From all the other folks in Thessalonians, <laughs> you know, all that other religion, all that other thing. Now, however, and this is really important, however, to move 
confidently, you know, and uh, move forward and being confident, we must remember that we are already fully sanctified, set apart for God. Okay? We are already sanctified, set apart from God through the Lord Jesus Christ. When he died, he goes, you are sanctified. Now, what we have here, now what we're being asked to do, he says, you are sanctified, okay? Now, what I want you to do is learn to grow and behave like who you are. Now, see, you do it with your kids, you know? You get them, they're yours. See, Jesus was saved, and he gets us. We're his, okay? Hallelujah. And you get that little baby, you come home to the hospital, you know. And as they grow up, sometimes they don't behave like you would like them to behave. You know, have you ever said, yes, that doesn't come from my side of the family. That's your side of the family. You know, it's like, my gosh, they don't behave. You know, so what you want them to do is to grow up to behave like, you know, you know, uh, wise good adults so you have to teach them you just spend your time teaching well this is an element of what's happening here it's like paul said no you are jesus you belong to him but it's his desire that over a period of time that you would transform your behavior to behave more like him and he would be pleased now, wouldn't you uh, use your kids? I love using y'all's kids, by the way. <laughs> using your kids. They, when it, they behave. Aren't you pleased? <laughs> they behave like they remember to do that. They, I'm very pleased with them. I don't like them, and I'm going to send them to their room. They're just driving me crazy. Okay, but they're still yours. They still belong to you. So God teaches us and we grow in our behavior, but we need to have a confidence. We don't lose Jesus, and Jesus doesn't reject us. Whatever we're doing, we don't lose him, he doesn't reject us. But you're not pleased with some of the things we do. And so he teaches us, he tells us. So, th so this is where the history is coming apart. This is where Paul is coming through these people. They don't know anything. And so he's coming back and telling Now he's writing a letter back, so he's been with them, he's told them something. They know they're they know they're sanctified, but he doesn't want to put the cart before the horse. He says, "Now this will please God if you adjust your behavior." Now I'm going to give you the example of the verses because you need to know this, and we talked about because the word sanctification or be holy can be twisted around to like almost you know to be saved you have to be holy, and to be saved you have to behave like that, and it can be twisted around or if you you know are saved you have to act like this or you'll lose that relation no that see it no you are sanctified period and that's what it says and paul says in first corinthians chapter 1 verse 30 he says this and because of him because the him there is god and because of god you are in christ jesus who came to us sanctification and redemption we accept Christ. Jesus is our sanctification. Jesus is our redemption. Jesus set us apart. And Jesus, he did it by redeeming, going to the cross. We are sanctified. Now, at salvation, we are fully sanctified, set apart for God. 
Jesus is our sanctification, yet now our behavior is being continually transformed to be more like Jesus. Now, Paul gives us a good example here that, you know, that we can grab hold of. And Paul admits, and you look at the apostle Paul, I mean, you know, he kind of had his act together, wrote three quarters of the New Testament. But the apostle Paul admits that he is not perfect. So I'm not perfect. But he presses forward to grow in the likeness of Jesus. Okay, so he's got, not there, but when I'm growing, I'm pressing forward. Now look at Philippians 3, verse 12. Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. And this can be a really helpful explanation as, as we look at who we are, fully sanctified. Yet, as fully sanctified, we grow in who we are. So Paul says about himself, not that I have already obtained this, Okay, I have, I'm not there. Not that I have already obtained this, or am I already perfect? No, I'm, I'm not perfect. Sanctified through Jesus, but I'm not perfect. But, but I press on to make it my own. To make what his own? I press on to make it my own. The sanctification behavior that Jesus did, I press on to make it my behavior. See, so that's what he's telling you. I'm not perfect, but I press on to make it my own. Why does he do this? Because Jesus Christ has already made me his own. He's already made me his own. Okay, He has already sanctified me. That's why he said he's already sanctified. And I'm pressing forward because he's already done all the work. Now, I'll read this through. Paul knows that God has already fully sanctified him through Jesus' death on the cross. Paul says, Jesus, Christ Jesus, has already made me his own or sanctified me. Jesus is Paul's sanctification. However, Paul presses on to please God. That's the message to the Thessalonians. He's telling them, see, do you understand? This is what you do. Okay, and so they're moving towards where they should be. They're not even close, but he doesn't want to discourage them. No, you're sanctified, right? You just keep moving forward. I really mess up. That's okay. You just keep moving forward because God has already, Jesus already is your sanctification. Now, with this in mind, and this is important, so God's got, Paul has this in mind, they know it, then what he does now, what Paul does now in this section, P Paul presents divine instruction. Here's some divine instruction that have come down from God through the Lord Jesus Christ. So the instructions from God through the Lord Jesus Christ, and Paul presents it, and this is not from man to please man. This is from God to please God. You say, well, who says you have to do that? Well, foundational thing, God says you have to do that. And that's kind of, you know, when you start looking at it like that, well, that kind of needs to be, affect my behavior. Your kids. Why do I have to do that? Because I said so. 
<laughs> okay. God, why do I have to do that? Because I said so. You know, it is my behavior, and that's who I am. And I want you to behave like Christ. And so there's a transformation. What happens? You start moving. He gives you instruction. Why would I behave like that? He's because Jesus behaves like that. That's your motivation. Jesus behaves like that. Oh, and I love Jesus. Therefore, I want to behave. You see how everything changes. Now you everything's looking. Now these Thessalonians, I know that. We didn't know that. They don't have anybody to talk to. It's a, and the reason we do this is because this is behavior God desires of you. And they set their heart upon Christ, and they move forward because this is what God says. Now, and, and so, and I'm just going to read it because this is the way it fell out. Because he's already told the Thessalonians some things. And he's, okay, here's some other things so you can please God. I put, now, I didn't put an overhead on, but you can just, li- you, you can just listen. He said, well, here's some more information directly from God uh, on how to please God. And what he does here, he says, here's some other stuff I need to tell you. And he addresses sexual sin. That's what he tells them. So this is the whole context of what he's telling these people. This is how you please God. And, he, and you got to, you know, we live in an immoral society. And, you, you know, that's nothing new. But if you look at it and study it, the Romans and the Greeks, man, they, they really have us beat. <laughs> we got a few, you know, few steps to go to be as bad as they were. You know, I mean, it, it, it really, I mean, it's frightening. I mean, where we are is frightening, but where you look where they were, it's like, oh, my gosh, it's even more frightening. Well, this is, this is where these people are coming out of. And Paul says, listen, okay, you need to think a little different. And I'm, now I'm going to touch this uh, sexual sense. So we'll just read what he said. First of all, <laughs> the first instruction, it says, and I'll just paraphrase to this, you abstain from sexual immorality that each one of you know how to control your own body sexually in holiness and in honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. You see the contrast? Why? This is why. Okay? You're set apart, and this is the way God wants you to act. I mean, you almost see somebody that laughs. Really? <laughs> oh, you know. But, and then he says this, and very interesting how the Lord says this, and, and says that no one transgress and wrong his brother in regard to sexual sins. So he throws it in there. You know, you could just abstain from sexual immorality. But what he throws in here, but also no one tra- transgress and wrong his brother. And what he's saying there, within the body of Christ, within believers, within the believers, a believer should not wrong another believer in sexual sin. This is especially deplorable. I've called you out. You're just that part. People, you're believers. Don't, this is deplorable if you cause another, you a believer cause another believer to fall. You've distorted the whole vision of church and what God intends. So it's like, okay, it's bad, but if it's within the church, it is especially deplorable, okay? Because, now listen, this is like, whoa, because the Lord is the avenger of all these things. 
as we told you beforehand and warned you. Okay, listen, you shouldn't do this, all right? But if you cause your brother or sister, you're a believer cause your brother or sister to sin, it says right here, God's the avenger. Whoa, he don't take care of his body. So he's going to take it. Don't, you, you're making my whole body look, I'll take care of that. Now, so, <laughs> I'm, I'm like the guys at Thessalonians. Oh, okay. Oh, okay, got you. That, and see, you see how everything's coming apart? Why? Because you are set apart from them. Don't violate that because you are set apart. Now, so as, uh, so we should take, so as, as we look at this, and he's giving this instruction, and again, he's telling his people, this is the way God behaves, and this is the way God wants you to behave, to please him. I'm going to reinforce, that's the word, and, and that's how, in this letter, how he approaches that, to please him. And they're going, okay, we want to, please him we love him he's got so this is what how we're going to behave to please him now <laughs> we should take pleasing god and growing in our sanctification really serious right when god tells you something we go okay that's, that's okay that's really serious you know i mean he told us just by definition we should take it very serious you know somebody said well you're a christian you do this what do you do it said well that's what god says and really take it serious what God says. Well, do you think, no, I don't think anything. I just think God said it, and I'm taking it very serious. But you see how you kind of deflect that. I didn't come up with this. I don't think it's, you know, I'm not telling you it's the best idea in the world. I'm just telling you God said it. And because he said it, I'm going to do it. And there's a reason. And well, why do you do that? You'll sin and go to hell? No, I'm sanctified. I'm set apart. I go home. Yeah. Why are you doing Because I want to please God. Well, you're pound. You can't do anything. I can do anything I want to. You know, but because I want to please God, these are the decisions I'm making. Do you see the, how, the conver how you gather the conversation? Thou shalt not. You're going to go to hell. You're going to lose yourself. You know, it's like, no, no, no. I, do. I want to please God. Therefore, pleasing God motivates changes my behavior now now it goes on so look at first thessalonians 4 8 it's the therefore after these instructions therefore whoever disregards this disregards not man but god who gives you the holy spirit now just process and, and you hear me talk about a lot about like conversations or arguments first of all it doesn't do any good to argue with anybody but the point of it is how we, we need to approach something with an understanding without trying to argue and understand every jot and tittle that's going on. But we get the big picture of what God is saying. It's like, why are you, do why are you doing this? It says, because it's not from man, it's from God. It's, it's God, that's why. And, and, and that's got my attention, okay? The Thessalonians right there said, well, Christ died for us, we're forgiven. He's got our attention. And he said this, therefore, we're not dis if we don't do this, we're not disregarding man. We're disregarding God. 
See, our whole process, do you see our whole process has changed, you know? And that's how we should talk, the process. It God's in. And then it has this. You don't disregard, he does not disregard man, but God, who gives his Holy Spirit to you. And this is huge, huge in the church, okay? It's not man. This was God. All right. But it goes farther than that. The Holy Spirit indwells us. God indwells us. God moves within us. See, all of a sudden we're his temple and God is in us. So the power of God is in us to transform us, to give us strength to do what God says. Not only did he tell us, he gave us the Holy Spirit to empower us to do it. I mean, you could see... I mean, this is what I do. I don't know what God would do. You just look and say, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? You know, I said, and I gave you the power of Christ to do. What are you doing? You say you love me. What are you doing? Did you hear me? You know, don't you have the power of God? In, I mean, you can see that kind of, he said, no. And, and, and so what you have here is like, oh, we love Christ. He said so. He said, yes. And I've given you the Holy Spirit, the power to do it. It's a huge thing. The Holy Spirit to do it. The other by itself is legalism. You suck it up, you do it, fight it out. And we've been there, it doesn't work. No, I love God through the power of God. I'm going to obey what God said. See, the whole conversation, everything changes I mean, non-believers, you can't talk to these people. They're all focused on God. They won't even talk. They think that, you know, he saves them and he's telling them what to do. You know, it's not even worth arguing with. See, well, that's a good thing because what we did, we focused it and put the focus on Christ where it's supposed to be, and he's the only one changing anything anyway. And Linda and I talk, get our age every year. We recognize more and more that is the truth. If God doesn't do it, it's not happening. It's not happening. You know. Now, okay, now I, I want to throw a, few, uh, a couple of things in here. So we don't disregard the th things because God told us, but even more so because he's given the Holy Spirit that empowers us to behave like he behaves. It all comes from within. All comes, no rules, it comes from w within. Now, then we are even warned, God even warns us. So he's called this church, and I, and I just, in my mind, I can just see this picture of the church. You got this Thessalonica, big, you know, trading, big city at the time, you know. It's everybody going south, you know. Now you got this group of people, you know, and all the difference in them is all of a sudden they're hearing God. All of a sudden they're set apart people. All of a sudden they think it's a good thing, you know. And so God is working with them and through them. And so this they're having this revelation of a called out and people move forward. And the one thing motivating them is that they love the Lord Jesus Christ. And they're identifiable. Identifiable. People recognize them because they're set apart. But he also, at the same time, in, in it's, you have this in Second Timothy, we are warned about ungodly. In the pretenders. You know, all through, I mean, all through the New Testament. Here's why, da-da-da, and then it warns out. you got pretenders. 
and, and you're not, you know, you, you have, you, you know, wolves and sheep clothing. And, you, and that's the reason you always balance things with Scripture, you know, make sure, you know, and he tells us to uh, behave. And, and so, but, and he also warns us the pretenders without the Spirit lack power. Lack power. I just can't do this. This is what I do. This is the way God made me. And it's just the following this sin. They lack, they lack power. They lack power. See, they can't change. They lack power. The reason they lack power, <laughs> evidently there's nothing in them working the Holy Spirit to empower them, you see. They lack power. And so thing to remember is the ungodly lack power. This is the scriptures. Second Timothy 3, 5 says this. It starts off as, in the last days. So Paul said, in, I mean, he's saying in the last days then. I don't know. When we're here, it's like, ah, we're down the road a mile or two. You understand? In the last days, there will be people having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. Avoid such people. Okay? Don't argue with them. Don't argue with them. Avoid. Looking good. <laughs> <laughs> they look at they have the best meals at the pot luck man <laughs> I mean they're looking good whatever you know, it's like no but they deny the power and what they're saying they're not they're denying the power of the holy spirit to work in the world but they're denying the power of the holy spirit to work in them so that they change it's who i am I'm not changing see they deny the power so in the last days there will be people having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. What do you do with these people? <laughs> avoid such people. You don't evangelize such people. You avoid such people. Now, the ungodly will increase. Don't be surprised. Are you surprised? How many of you looked at watch television that you just can't believe what's happening in the world? You know? Don't be surprised right here. I'm telling you, don't be surprised. The ungodly will increase. He tells us the ungodly will increase in the last days. Now, but let's go back. That's the truth. We reckon, but we are not the ungodly. You know why we are not the ungodly? Because we believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. He's given us the Holy Spirit. And we love him and we desire to please him. Why? Because we're ungodly. We're, we're not ungodly. We're not ungodly. You know, that's, so, that's where our heart is. We're, we're not un, ungodly because of relationship with Christ. Therefore, if we're not ungodly, not perfect, but we gladly accept instruction about pleasing God. Oh, man, I need to work on that. You blow it. Oh, I need to keep that because this is, I want to please God. It, it's, it's my heart's desire to please, please him. So we have that. All right, everybody with me on this? Whew. Well, this is the introduction to the meat. <laughs> I'm, I'm joking a little bit. <laughs> Some of you are laughing and saying, no, he means it. <laughs> We're here for another hour. I can tell it. <laughs> okay, no. Here it is. But here really is, here really is the meat of it, and we won't spend all much time, that much time on it. And it's uh, God, God now, since we understand how important it is to please God, and he speaks about this, and we understand the function of it, all right? What he does now, he tells us the one thing, the one thing that pleases him 
the most. The one thing that pleases him the most. Just think about that as I go forward. You okay? I'm going to read it. God says, now, you understand? understand? You're set apart. You're set apart for me. You want to please me. This is the one thing that pleases me more than anything. More than anything. Most of all, God desires, are you ready? God desires that we love one another. Really? <laughs> really? Look from God's point. He's, but he's called them out. He's called us out. He said, now, won't you love one another? I always go back to my uh, Linda's mother. <laughs> I just, I mean, she just loved her mother. She's gone to be with the Lord, and she's all sorts of people there that she didn't like here on earth. <laughs> I mean, I'll never forget we're driving along, and, and she knew the gospel. She knew except Christ, and you've heard this story before. See that guy? He said, he'll never go to heaven. And, and so I'm thinking, well, yeah, you know, I mean, you accept Christ. He said, no, you never go to heaven. And so I'm thinking, well, she doesn't know. You know, she's older and got confused. So I give her the gospel again, you know, which she didn't appreciate. She really laughed. I know that. I, know. I said, but if you believe that, you know, are you going to heaven? Yes. How do you know? Jesus has forgiven me. I said, well, Jesus can forgive him. No, he won't. And I, yes. I mean, there's not. He will. And so after, I'm really irritating her. And she's irritating. I said, but he will forgive everybody. You know, if he'll turn to Christ, he will forgive him. His sins are washed with the blood. And she said, let me ask you something. Okay? Would you want to be in heaven with him? <laughs> I said, anyway, so anyway, she's in heaven with him. I'm just, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But anyway, so, <laughs> but what you have here, um, so uh, I think what's so interesting when, when we, when we, Look at this. We see the church and say, we really fail at this point. I mean, we really, really, I fail at this point. You know, and it's like really convicting when you read what the Lord said. And you think about it. When we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, we see, receive Christ. Okay? And it's like, when, and God's going to come and he's going to take to heaven all those who have Christ in them. And then we're at this together for eternity you know i'm like linda's mother i'm thinking gosh everybody for eternity <laughs> it's like maybe we have different rooms i don't i just you know it's like wait and but but, but no god says no this is oh you're mine you're set apart i want you to love on the all through scripture all through scripture it says love one another love one another now of course, you know, I, of course, the, um, we know that God's commandment says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and mind and soul. That's the greatest commandment. And he says, and love your neighbor as yourself. You know, <laughs> it's, you know it's okay. So we grant, granted, we love the Lord Jesus Christ with all our heart and soul. But evidence of our love for God 
is seen in how we love other people. That's the evidence. You can't say, I love God, and not love your brother and sister. That's what I can say that, but God doesn't say that. God does not say that. He says, in fact, he says, if you hate your brother and sister, he says, you can't have a relationship. With it's all tied together that as we come to Christ, the love of Christ, and as we love him, says, I, I, I love God in his evidence because I spend five hours in prayer and I give money, you know, and, you know, and I feed the poor and like that. And he goes, well, that's good. But you don't love your brother and sister in Christ. So you're really not showing any evidence. That's what he's saying. That, that, that's what, and by the way, it makes a point. We love people and give and stuff. But what it talks about, he's talking about people within the church. He's talking about people that have received him. And his body says you should love one another. You know, it's like the Jesus in me loves the Jesus in you. <laughs> you know. I think you need a little work on your flesh, but I do love the Jesus in you. <laughs> I mean, you, know, you can tell I've been through this. This guy, no, you're wrong. You're absolutely wrong. And it's like you love you love one another. You are to love. God desires that we love one another. All right. Now, God also gives us, you know, instructions on how to behave. But the motivational power to carry out that is that we love them. I help you across the street. Can't, don't want to be around you, but I'll do this for Jesus. No, you're not. <laughs> no, I really love you. You're Jesus' child, and I want to sacrifice and help you walk across the street and do this motivated out of love so the love is the motivation to behave the way jesus wants us to behave well where do we get that just womp it up it's like no it comes from god from the holy spirit and as you love him you have the capacity to love others love is the motivational factor church love one another they will now this are you on a convicting verse they will know us by our love and not a lot of people beating down my door we got <laughs> they will know us by our love because that's what comes to us and that's what motivates us and we have the power through the holy spirit all right now listen to this first thessalonians 4 9 first thessalonians 4 9 and also verse 10 i can't find them there First Thessalonians 4, 9. Now concerning brotherly... Now, by the way, this is in chapter 4 of First Thessalonians. I didn't go looking for it. I mean, there's other places you could have found it, but it's the natural flow here. Now concerning brotherly love or sisterly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you. For you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. <laughs> I don't love them. I love God. Well, evidently you're not listening to God. Because God's the one who teaches you to love one another. See the inconsistency? 
And he says, I don't even need to write it because God has taught you. God has taught you to love one another. So if there's not love, dissension and stuff, it communicates that God is not present. And God goes, it should be present in my church. It should be present in my church. And so, and, and again, I go back. He said, you, I put it in like, you don't need anyone to write you. He said, you don't need Wallace to tell you because I taught you. When you came to Christ, I taught you to love one another. So that's one of the first lessons within the body, in the body of Christ is that we love one another. Now, I don't think that means you can't get irritated or somebody or just talk about you. But no, the overall being is that you love people. You know, your heart goes out to them because they Christ paid the penalty for them. If they were the only person in the world, he would have died for them. And that's how we should look at them. He's the only person in the world. Christ died for them. Therefore, we should love him because Christ loves him. So he says, you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. Then he adds, we urge you brothers to do this more and more. I mean, that's it. Want to please God? Love one another. And by the way, if you please God and you're loving one another, your behavior changes towards that person because you love that person is someone Christ died for. See, the instructions are like on the other side of that. They're on the other side. On this side of it, you love one another. Because Christ loved them. And that's where the motivation and that's where the power comes from is that we love people. So as we pray, and now, maybe I'm the only one. <laughs> I can get irritated at people sometimes. You know, it's like where well, my prayers should be, Lord, help me to understand that person that we can, I can bond with that. I can minister to them. I can help them in some way. Let them love let me love them the way you love them. And the whole attitude towards them changes. Everything changes. Because my attitude of doing what God says, I love them, and I love them because God loved me. You all with me? Power. I mean, now this is true. Again, you go back to that verse. The world, the world will know you. They're going to know you because of your love. Because of your love. See, that'd be a great evangelistic tool. <laughs> what? Just love each other. <laughs> love each other. Now, and also, this is a big-time evidence of one's relationship with Jesus. I love Jesus, but these people are driving me nuts. <laughs> and why is you don't love Jesus then? You're not loving the people. It's evidence you don't love Jesus the way you should. And if you love Jesus the way you should, you would love the people the way you should. Amen? I mean, the, it, the impact right here is, is outstanding. It's absolutely outstanding. Now, God himself teaches us to love one another. This describes the believer's divine relationship through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. See, Christ, I receive the Holy Spirit. I prophesy I'm raising the dead. It's like, okay, well, now you receive the Holy Spirit and you love one another. 
Evidence of having the Holy Spirit is loving one another. What's loving one another? Don't ever sit under pastor that you feel like he's really, really good, but he has no concern for you. He has no sense of love for you. See, because that means there's something wrong with his walk with Christ. If he doesn't love the congregation or stuff, you minister to them, that tells you there's something wrong with his walk with Christ. And he, he just, is this convicting as all get out? I mean, it's like, Lord. Now, so when we see this, at conversion, believers become lo- lifelong pupils to God on how to love one another. That's what he's going to be teaching from now on. From now on. He says we become lifelong pupils. Love one another. And I'm going to teach you. I'm going to teach you. You know, why does this person come into my life? <laughs> so you can love them and walk them to Christ. You know. Now, love, love is sanctified, holy, set apart behavior. You want to know somebody are behaving like I'm sanctified? You love people. You love. Now, I, I want what the Bible says. It talks about God so loved the world, you know, and gave his only begotten son. But when he talks about loving one another, he is specifically talking about believers. He's talking about believers. Yes, you love your neighbor. They don't know Christ. and you try, But he's talking about be- believers. They got, you love one another. And if you love one another, love is sanctified, holy, and set apart behavior. Amen? That's what he's telling us. So it's really strong. Now, we'll wrap it up here and just go through these reverses and just think about uh, people say, you know, it's like legalism puts all sorts of stuff, rules for you to be acceptable by God or how you behave and stuff like that. And, you know, we've, we've all talked about that. But what God does, he does something way different about, you know, our behavior and, you know, and carrying out, you know, that we're a child of God. So, Love is pleasing God and evidence of our salvation. No love, not to just say it, maybe they're going through a bad day, but love is evidence of our salvation. Look at 1 John 4, 7. 1 John 4, 7. Love is pleasing God and evidence, evidence that you can see of our salvation. 1 John 4, 7. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. How do you know I've been born of God and knows God? The Bible says if I love, that's how you know. See, it's evidence of the salvation. It's a love that comes from the person. All God's people said, Amen. Okay. Love is pleasing God and evidence of the Holy Spirit within us. You know, some of you, I mean, I'm talking about, you'll be baptized in the Holy Spirit and you'll speak in tongues and prophesy. Whoa. Hallelujah. You know, but what the Bible says, the evidence of pleasing God, that love is pleasing God and the evidence of the Spirit within us is love. Galatians 5.22. 
the fruit of the Spirit is love. <laughs> there it is. You have the Holy Spirit, then the thing, the fruit, the fruit is love. And you always picture, you wonder why they use different words here. And it's like, it says the fruit, the fruit of the Spirit is love. You're, you watch an, like an apple on an apple tree. Right there, you, you just watch it. And, and then it just grows apples. It just, it can't help itself. It just grows apples. And after a while, you can just touch it and they just fall off in your hand. You will do it. It just grows apples. It's fruit. It can't help but grow apples. If you're a believer and have the Holy Spirit, you can't help but love. You can't help it. See? It just just falling off of you. You don't, I mean, I just go, I want to love them. I am going to love them today. Love, 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 love. You know. It didn't work. You know. <laughs> so, but through the Holy Spirit, it's a fruit. And that's the reason it uses fruit there, because it just naturally flows out of you. You don't even try. You ever seen an apple tree grunt? Growing its apple. It just grows. See, it's a fruit. Fruit of the Spirit is love. It's a sign someone has the Holy Spirit working through them is love. Now, so we wrap up this. Love reflects our relationship with God through Jesus. What do you say? They'll know you by your love. Love reflects a relationship with God through Jesus. We have the capacity to love because God first loved us. Now, I'm just telling you what happens. I don't love him. What does it tell you about me? See? There's no apples falling off my tree. <laughs> there are no apples on my tree. You know. See, if, as soon as I say I don't love, it's evidence communicating my relationship with God. Now, you want me to just convict your socks off? I, I mean, just think, just think of some of the people you don't love. Just think. Just think. I mean, I don't know. Just think of somebody you don't love. As you think about it, that is God telling you something about yourself. Great marriage counseling verse. <laughs> I don't love them. Ooh, okay. Mm. You see what I'm saying? Well, where do you work? Well, we need to, you know, take 15 steps to this. And to, no. The only way you get love is from God. Knowing God loves you. If one can't love, it's because they can't understand that God loves them. I can't love because I don't understand God's, God loves me. But when I understand God loves me, I have a capacity to flow, love others. It's a flow through. Amen? Aren't you glad you all came this morning? Isn't it? Good. All right. But here's a fascinating verse. You want to please God? Love one another. 
And the whole and the whole understanding of this is in First John four nineteen, and really short verse. This one you can put on your refrigerator. First John four nineteen. We love because we try harder than anyone else. We sacrifice. I give and give and give. Get nothing in return. <laughs> no. No. We love what? Because he first loved us. It's the only way we can love. Love the way God means to love. Self-sacrifice. To love the way God. We love because we know he loved us first. So in counseling, you talk to somebody do you know that God loves you? Well, no. Do you know God loves you? You. Because until you understand God loves you, you don't have the capacity to love others. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your goodness and your love. And God, oh my goodness, to understand your self-sacrificial love. That your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, came. And died for us. He took all our sins. That God so loved the world. He gave his son. That no one would perish. The idea that God loved us that much. And that we can love. When we recognize how much God loves us. And really it may be hard. But the world can become pretty simple. God loves us. We need to love others and again some people are a little more difficult to love than other people but as we go before the lord he will teach us how to love and be an encouragement to those around us so it's not so much the other person it's us that we have to understand to be able to take that step to love them hopefully then you will change them in the future but we love because you first loved us. We give thanks to you in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Uh-huh.